source for all the latest Batman news related to movies, television, merchandise, and video games. Thanks for making the Batman Universe your ultimate source for Batman news. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Batman Universe Podcast, episode number 64. I'm your host, Dustin, and today we have with us... This is Donovan. This is Josh. Our other co-hosts are taking a much well-deserved vacation this episode. In this episode, we're going to be discussing movie, TV, merchandise, video game, and general news for the month of March, as well as any rumors that popped up about The Dark Knight Rises. Our spotlight character will be none other than Azrael. And our feature, we'll be talking a little bit about the state of the Bat Books. We've done this in the past, and it's been quite some time since we've done this. So, uh, especially with Donovan on the podcast, we want to make sure we kind of let you know what's going on in the comic book world as as far as the Batman books, so that way you can get an idea of uh, whether or not it's a good jumping on point for certain books or not. So with that, let's get right into movie news. (gasps) The Batmobile! Not a ton of stuff that happened in the month of March in general for all the categories, but we do have a little bit of a variety here and there. As far as The Dark Knight Rises, on March 7th, Collider.com caught up with Gary Oldman about uh, his movie Red Riding Hood, and there was a little bit of a mention of The Dark Knight Rises and what he has seen and what he can ex- we can expect from The Dark Knight Rises, so we'll play that clip now. I know I'm running out of time with you, so I have to ask you for all the Batman fans out there, myself included, uh, I know you can't talk about the story, but uh, can you tell people when you start filming, and have you yourself read the script yet? I have not read the script, um, but I have spoken to Chris Nolan about the story. Um, uh, it's fantastic. I, I can only imagine. It, it's, you know, you think you can't, you can't top The Dark Knight, and um, I think he may have. So can you tell people when you start to film? No. And uh, my last question for you. Y- uh, you have a whole bunch of other projects coming up, uh, including uh, Tinker, Taylor, Soldier, Spy, yeah. which I'm so excited about. Could you talk a little bit about that real quick? Well, it, it was uh, it was one of, I mean, it's the pr- probably the greatest role I've ever played. Um, great cast. Tom Hardy, John Hurt, Colin Firth. Kieran Hines, Toby Jones, um, and directed by Thomas Alfredson. Totally. Um, it, and it's, uh, I think it'll be a goodie. All right, so in that interview, he doesn't really say a whole lot as far as uh, 
the Dark Knight Rises other than he has talked with Chris Nolan about the story and he says that he could in fact top the Dark Knight which is is good to hear um, the Dark Knight was a great movie obviously and it's going to be hard to top it in general but getting some votes of confidence from the actors who are going to be in the film is always positive oh yeah totally agree uh, it could be just that he's just trying to stall for time because he may not know and may not have read the script or um, he really he really doesn't know anything about it but always err on the side of positivity if this is really better than the, the Dark Knight in terms of writing then that's all you could really hope for really yeah, I don't think there's really much to comment on here because, I mean, of course he's going to think it's good, but I think that Christopher Nolan's kind of... He uses a lot of the same like actors and people on his movie, and I think they're always on board with what he does, and that's always a good thing. The next bit of movie news we have comes from March 8th. Warner Brothers sent over information about The Dark Knight now being able to be watched on Facebook. Essentially, um, you can purchase Facebook credits, which... You can either buy online or you can buy in s- certain stores. Add them to your account and you can actually go to the Dark Knight's website, uh, the fan page for the Dark Knight, and actually watch the film right there on Facebook. Which, again, not real sure how many people have not seen the Dark Knight and would actually be using this. But it is cool to see that Warner Brothers is, in fact, the first Hollywood studio to offer movies to rent directly on Facebook. That's interesting because I actually did was able to see a film uh, that I was uh, writing a paper on on Facebook because they had a fan page, and they showed like each they showed they showed the film in ten minute segments, but um such a long film like The Dark Knight, the, the fact that they're making this you can you can rent it or whatever that's pretty interesting. Yeah, it is, but I don't think this will really affect me because I have the DVD. But I mean, I guess it's more like. I guess down the road when they do other movies, I'm assuming The Dark Knight won't be the only one, but I already have The Dark Knight on DVD and Blu-ray. I mean. It's definitely something that's probably not geared more towards fans like us who most likely own the film, yeah. but it is geared towards more of like the, I guess, mainstream social media fans who may not have seen the film and they're just they're basically making it another opportunity for people to see it. They created the app for The Dark Knight last month and now they've created another opportunity for you to see the film as well i know there are other movies that they're doing this as well they did announce later in the month other movies that aren't batman related Uh, nothing really worth mentioning except for inception was one of them as well but there are other movies that are that warner brothers is already planning on doing this with so it's just another way of getting it out there we already have like amazon on demand blockbuster express um, you know, Blockbuster Online, where you can rent movies right after they come out, cinema now. So it's just another opportunity f- for people who are out there. And Facebook is probably more mainstream than a lot of those other places that allow uh, rentals of online movies. So moving on, also on March 8th, MTV posted up a video interview with Gary Oldman about his upcoming film, Red Riding Hood. Obviously, he was making the press circuits, and in the interview... Uh, Gary Oldman mentions that he hasn't seen the script, but knows the story will not only be great, but connects with events from the previous two films. So we'll play that clip. You're soon to, I assume, reunite with Mr. Christopher Nolan on this little Batman saga. Dark Knight Third Rises. one, yeah. Um, have you seen the script yet? No, I haven't seen the script yet. Um, 
I know the story though, and it and it's and it's a and it's a great it's a it's a great story. I mean, you 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 look at uh, you look at the Dark Knight and you think, you know, how's he gonna? Well, that's my question. Exactly. How's he gonna top? How's he gonna top it? But I think he has. In what way? I mean, I know you can't say anything. I can't say. But, 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 I'm sworn to see. I know they were killed. Me. But is it is it scope is bigger? Does it feel like it wraps up? Does it? Because I mean, Chris has said as much to me, like literally just last week. This is it. This is the last of his films. It has that finality yeah. to it. It feels like it. Yeah. Yeah, and the scope of it, and also the way he sort of brings it back to Batman Begins, right. and really what. Christian, what Bruce Wayne discovers about himself, or what what he what he learns about himself at the end of this one. Does it feel like there's enough uh, for you to chew on in this one too? I mean, Gordon's you, you had some. I mean, Dark Knight was a great yeah. arc for that character in that one. Is um, there feel like there's something that? Yeah, we... he says it's. Uh, I mean, I hear that it's a, that it's a, it's a good good role, but. Um, have to wait and see, won't I? Have you talked to any of the new young actors that are joining the franchise? Do you know Tom Hardy? Yeah, I just worked with it's actually the, oh, the Tinker Taylor. Yeah, Soldier so we work with the, I work with Tom on Tinker Taylor. I'm going off to do a couple of days with him on the Wettest County, right? Um, and then we meet on, uh, and then we work together on um, on Batman, and, and then we get married. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, um, it's the year of. The t- 2011 is the year of Gary and Tom. You've <laughs> heard it here first. So that's that interview. So essentially, what what old based on what Oldman says, we can expect to not only obviously this is going to be the final film in the trilogy, but connect with the first two films. Now, Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, you could see those films individually, and they are great movies. And I'm sure this movie will also be like that. But one of the things I really enjoy about movies, especially with trilogies, is connecting events from the previous films. We don't see that very often. To so to hear that the approach that they're taking is to, you know, incorporate different elements from Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, is going to be very cool. Very much agree. I, I um, as much as I, lo- I love The Dark Knight, I actually enjoy Batman Begins a bit more on the sense that it felt like a Batman movie. And if there are ties, and it was also more focused on Bruce Wayne, so if there are ties that sort of bring the narrative focus back towards that, while still using the um, the real world elements and the and the uh, extreme brevity that they had in the Dark Knight, this this may this really may be the best of the the, the trilogy, and it may, it may um, be the stuff of legends. Yeah, Batman Begins was my favorite Batman movie of all time, but as, I think. I like when tri- uh, that's the thing I like about trilogies, but trilogies that can stand alone individually, like each movie, but they're all connected, so that, that always works. And I think three movies is is a good number to wrap up like one like good story. Of course, there's three stories in it, but one like really good story of Bruce Wayne, and then the Joker comes into his life, then whatever's gonna happen in the third movie. All right. So then the next thing we've got is. On March 9th, Gary Oldman continued his press tour for Red Riding Hood, and he talked with E! Online about another little bit mention of The Dark Knight Rises, and he said that there possibly could be another villain possibly appearing from Batman's history in The Dark Knight Rises. What his exact quote was, I think it's a villain from one of the old, old, from way back from the old comics. It is a Batman villain. It's not going to be the Joker. 
Um, so, I hope there's a Batman villain. <laughs> <laughs> so who knows who that villain is? He also mentioned a little bit about Anne Hathaway playing Selena Kyle. And he said, I think she'll probably wear the cat suit pretty well, don't you? So again, I guess uh, she could actually be Catwoman, as we, we, we've been assuming. Um, the other thing he had to say when he was asked by FlixAndBits.com... Um, he was asked about putting on the Commissioner Gordon uniform, which which he replied, My drab greys and beige. Ha ha ha. I went to the production offices the other day, and there's all these fantastic pictures across the wall. Catwoman this, that, and I thought, where's my wall? I don't have a wall. I just have a rack of very dull clothes. Ha ha ha. I'm looking forward to working with the gang again. Academy Award winning Christian Bale. I bet he won't get my coffee anymore. Ha ha ha. So... From all of these uh, things that he said on March 9th, I'm curious as far as... I mean, the Catwoman thing, that's not really news because we've kind of expected it to be Catwoman. But the the interesting thing would probably be the, the other villain. Now, when we get into the rumor mill, we'll talk about a little bit more about uh, some other cast members who've been added as well as um, some other possibilities for those cast members. But the, the thing is, you have to ask yourself, how, how much does Gary Oldman actually know about the history of the Batman comics? So when <laughs> he says, oh, it's somebody from a really old, old, old comic, it's hush. who knows? I mean, who knows it, who it could be? It could be Hush. I mean, it could be somebody like that was just created not that long ago and he just assumes has been around all this time. So that you got to take with a little bit of a grain of salt just because there's no way of knowing exactly who the character is. Now, we'll just say it now, Alberto Falcone has been rumored to be one of the villains in the film, and we'll talk a little more about that in the rumor mill, but the important thing is Alberto Falcone was actually around for the first time around the 90s. Mm-hmm. So... That's not that long ago, but then you also have to think of, again, how much of a history of the Batman comics does he actually know? <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be really funny if it turns out to be, like, a swerve, and, it, and it's, like, a, a villain that no one's heard of, but it actually is an old villain or something like that, or, like, 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 like Dr. Hurt, because Dr. Hurt wasn't a villain, but, you know, he, he was an old character from an old story, so that would be kind of weird. Um, I, I, I would imagine... Uh, if this has any weight to it, and it very well may likely not, but it could be Hugo Strange. I mean, I don't, I don't want to say either way, but it certainly, is, it certainly makes my mind go back to when you say old Batman villains, makes me think of Hugo Strange. But then again, what, what does Gary Oldman know? He only works in the movie. He, he doesn't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of take that like thing where I don't really know how much he really knows, so. I don't know what to think from what he said because it could it could mean that, but then it just as likely could, like we said earlier, it could be like, oh, hush is an old villain, but no. So then, moving ahead, uh, March twenty eighth, again, Gary Oldman interview. This time it had nothing to do with Red Riding Hood; it had to do with the Empire Awards. They were held over the weekend, and Gary Oldman was in attendance, and he talked with Absolute Radio about some things again about The Dark Knight Rises. We'll play that clip. It in May, and um, all I can say is that it's a great, really great story. It's a great script. He's outdone himself from The Dark Knight. He's, it's fantastic. No, it starts in May, 
Um, I, we start here. We come back here, I think. So, you know, I'll be picking up the script in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually working with Tom Hardy on the Wettest County that I'm going to do. So I work with him on Tinker and and the and and the next one and then and then and then he's in the the, the next batman so it's the year of it's the year of tom hardy yeah. Yeah. it is is an amazing cast for this one i mean i think that the dark knight had an incredible cast but just the lineup is is great and tom hardy's announcement as well it's brilliant are you excited about working with all those people at the same time yeah 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 and i have a little and i have i have quite a quite a bit to do with uh, quite a bit to do with tom in this one he's going to be well, you know the character, and yeah, mate. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. You're not allowed to say that, maybe, or no? I think it's common knowledge yeah. that is that there's. It's not quite sure because Christopher Nolan is incredibly good at keeping things secret. How does he do it? Um, well, first of all, you you to get into the production office, you have someone meet you, and then there's keys in various doors that lock. The script you read. In the in the production office, and 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 there's and there's no ending to the script either, because he tells you the ending, so that it doesn't leak and get out, and people spoil it on the internet. It's very tight, very very tight, very it's very tight security. Yeah, that's how he does it. Yeah. What did you first feel when you read the script and read your part? Oh, it's a great, you know, great. Yeah, got got a lot to do, and yeah. Are there any other? I can't say anything. I know, but are there any other major major things we're going to find out soon, or major names that are going to be announced soon? Do you I, know? I don't know. Okay. Don't know. Honestly, I truly, I don't know. But how can it top the Dark Knight? I just don't understand how it's possible. Well, the story's fabulous. It really ties together with the first one. He sort of brings it back. He brings it around, and that's it. Can't say anymore. Fair enough. Thanks very much. Have a good night. <laughs> All right. So that was that interview. Now. I guess a couple interesting things. Obviously, we all know that Chris Nolan is very secretive. He's always been secretive, giving you know fake names for previous the previous two Batman films, just so that you could he could try to keep some secrets as hard as it is in this day and age. Now, I I guess the thing that I find interesting is how it must be extremely easy for scripts to leak nowadays for Nolan to specifically not write the ending down on paper and to have to verbally tell the actors and in turn also tell the executives at Warner Brothers the ending of the film so that they can you can, you can move along so it's got to be interesting to think to yourself huh script leaks are really that likely in this day and age that that's what it's come to you can't even finish the ending of the script yeah that's that's I, I remember um Back when Batman Begins came out, I avoided all spoilers at all costs. But after I saw the film, my brother said that he did find the script online and he found out that Rachel Ghoul was uh, Liam Neeson and everything. So it's 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 it, it it is kind of galling to imagine. Wow, this is a real thing that people can get a hold of scripts, but it is certainly a reality. So and it's kind of funny because it's just a Batman movie in a sense before all the cloak and dagger. But then again, you know. This is one of the most profitable franchises of recent memory, so I guess Nolan has every right to be as secretive as he can. He might give the people the wrong addresses like the Joker did as to where they're filming or something. Yeah, it, um, I, I think it's, it's, it, it's very interesting what he's doing, and I guess it's pretty smart because scripts leak all the time. But if you're going to look up a script, what's wrong with you? You're like shooting yourself in the foot. I guess if you're not really a big fan, then you want to like ruin it for your friends, but... I know that 
I think this this may be a little more frequently used now in Hollywood because I know at Scream 4, Wes Craven didn't give the script to anybody else. He he kept the ending to himself and until after they got to that point in the movie. But that was more for he didn't want the actors to know what was going on, so they would like play more realistically. I got the ending for the movie at the very very end after everything is done. Batman is standing in the alley, and, and out comes from the alley like George Clooney Batman, and then like the movie just ends as they stare off. Yeah, that would be the worst movie. Now the other bit of out of that interview was also that uh, Oldman said that he's going to be working a lot with Tom Hardy in the film. Now this kind of plays into a rumor that we've heard in the past about possibly Bane being hired by the Gotham Police Department to kind of track down. Batman because Batman of course is an outlaw at this point in Gotham City so that could explain of why he has he's working with Tom Hardy so much other than that I, I don't even understand why unless Tom Hardy or you know Bane keeps getting arrested throughout the entire film and then just keeps breaking out or something <laughs> like 10 times over also I'm, I'm also wondering what makes um, everybody's going to Gary Oldman I guess they, I guess Christopher Nolan locked up Morgan Freeman and Mark Michael Caine so <laughs> He's really being secretive. Yeah, clearly. All right, the last bit of news we've got as far as movie comes on March 29th, and this was probably the biggest news of the month without it being The Dark Knight Rises. Ben Fritz of the LA Times sat down with Jeff Robinoff, uh, the newly appointed head man at Warner Brothers, to talk about his new role within the company. The highlight of their discussion is to talk about the future of Batman after The Dark Knight Rises. So here's exactly what the article said. Robinoff knows that the most bankable part of his superhero empire has been Nolan and his Gotham City films. The studio has yet to deliver a 21st century superhero blockbuster hit without Nolan in the director's seat. Batman will continue to be a centerpiece property beyond next year's The Dark Knight Rises and Nolan's departure from the franchise. We have the third Batman... But then we'll have to reinvent Batman. Chris Nolan and producing partner and wife Emma Thomas will be producing it. So it will be a conversation with them about what the next phase is. So, based on that information, we know for a fact that Chris Nolan is not coming back for a fourth one. He will most likely produce one if there's another one. But this is what ends up being very interesting. Specifically producing, but it doesn't say whether he's going to be producing another Batman movie or something else. And this is why. The article continues, but Robinoff said a new Justice League script is in the works. Also being written for Warner are scripts featuring The Flash and Wonder Woman who could be spun off into their own movies after Justice League. The Wonder Woman is also in the works as a television pilot for NBC produced by Warner. Robinoff dismissed that... As a sticking point, Wonder Woman could be a film as well, the same way that Superman Returns came out while Smallville was on, he said, referring to the 2006 film that put Brandon Routh in the game and the television show starring Tom Welling that is now part, that, that is now in its 10th and final season. So, based on that, what's going to happen with Batman? Well, at this point, who knows? We know that whatever happens with Batman, Chris Nolan will be in the producing uh, side of things in the future. Now, this is not this isn't really a surprise. Obviously, Warner Brothers wants to get a Justice League film made. They just want to make sure they do it right. 
Um, a lot of the, you know, there's there's these all these Marvel movies being made. We've got Thor and Captain America coming out this year and the Avengers next year. And you got to look at Warner Brothers' perspective. They've got more bankable characters than Marvel does in some aspects. And they're not doing anything with these characters. So the head person of Warner Brothers gets his new position and says, hey, we need to start cranking out some stuff with these characters because... There's no reason we shouldn't be doing this. And at the same point, even though there's been talks of like a Wonder Woman and a Flash movie and a ton of other character movies for years, we've never actually seen anything except for Jonah Hex, which ended up turning out horribly and didn't really help the situation with superhero films. So with that, you have to wonder to yourself, it's about time. It's not only about time, but you also have to think no one's done a great great job with the, the Batman films he knows we all know he's not going to be doing a fourth film so that you know are we still going to have Batman films in the future well Warner Brothers thinks we should and I think we should too so the only way that they're seeing that this work is by reinventing the character not necessarily rebooting it it's a specific difference between rebooting and reinventing rebooting would be starting again from scratch telling another origin story doing all of that stuff that isn't really necessary Again. But by reinventing the character, we can make the character actually fit within a universe that has other superheroes with superpowers, unlike Batman, who's just some mortal man. I don't know. I was really surprised, along with a lot of people, that they they out they out and out admitted we will reboot Batman after the third uh, after Dark Knight Rises. And I mean, obviously, they don't mean to say that the other Batman movies haven't been successful or they're not liked, but they want to just. They said pretty much frank and frank and honest. They want to keep on making more money, and I'm wondering because we had we've seen Batman in so many different instances in movies. This at this point, I'm wondering how else you can really reboot him, because even in the even in the comic books, Batman doesn't tend to run into a lot of like overtly unfilmable situations. If you know what I mean, I mean you could do Clayface and, and Mr. Freeze and that kind of stuff. But really, how compelling can that be? And I think that a lot of the things people say that they can't do in a movie also fall in the line of scenes that they wouldn't really bother doing in a movie. So I'm very much wondering if if they don't if they want to bring him in the Justice League and have him fight more sensationalistic uh, supervillains or whatever, that's one thing. But if they're going to continue a Batman movie franchise, reboot it separate from the Chris Nolan movies, and you would you would probably add Robin and Batgirl and a lot of the other supporting characters and build that continuity there. That's one thing. But how are you going to change it to where not only is it a separate continuity, but it's dissimilar from the tone of the original Nolan movies? That's what I'm really, really wondering. I just think that they're just going to solidify Christopher Nolan's three movies and maybe just, like, if they throw in the Justice League whatever now you like I, I i wouldn't want them like referencing like the dark knight or anything and what i would do i would just i would just move on and like not announce this and then just but just kind of make it where like it is separate where because you, you don't want to be like talking about what all the events that happened there and so kind of leave it ambiguous sort of i don't know i, I think that it's not a terrible decision or anything i kind of i remember there was a poll on the batman universe put out and i actually was the only person that said it was a good idea no, you weren't. Oh. There was a couple other people who did say it was a good idea. Oh, it's good. So I'm not alone. For a while, I was. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, it, it, I think it would be fine to have Batman in the Justice League. We also have to keep in mind that, you know, 
the Batman Begins, The Dark Knight, and The Dark Knight Rises, they, they're supposed to be the beginning of Batman's career. Clearly, Batman wasn't part of the Justice League mm-hmm. you know, right when he started. So, they could still keep what's happened in the first three Nolan films and just leave it at that. But then, it branches off and the Justice League comes to be in this Justice League film. And the same type of character that was Batman... You know, the, the only thing they would need to adapt is the fact that, you know, the there's there's other people in the world that have superpowers. And that's all they would really need to adapt as far as to have a different tone, I guess. That I mean, that the, other than that, I mean, yes, I agree, they shouldn't really address anything that happened previously in the Nolan films. But it's Nolan's films are also supposed to be in the beginning of Batman's career. Batman could move along in his career and then end up joining the Justice League. I would hate for them to do what they planned on doing, you know, a couple years ago, where it's like the young version of all the Justice League characters, and they're all, you know, 20-somethings, and they're all inexperienced, and then they team up, because realistically, that's just not going to be likely, and that didn't happen in the actual continuity of the DC Universe. Well, you you have a point. I would expect them to really... Um, it, well, they would, in a sense, if they were to continue it, they would have to reboot it because the way Nolan has been going on, he wants this to be sort of an open and shut trilogy. Not exactly that they want to like close everything off and like I don't know, blow up Gotham City at the end or something. But you get the sense that it, it won't. You, you really, really, you really wonder how how shut he wants the trilogy to end and how how much opportunity will, is there for somebody to come on and just add more stories. You make a great point about this is. This whole trilogy of Batman films, yeah, they're about Batman, but specifically, this is Batman becoming Batman, and there are plenty. There's plenty of scope just in that premise for him, for you, for a filmmaker to make more series where you know it's you know classic Batman fighting people, but also how it it really does depend on this third movie and how they end end things. Yeah, I mean, this is Batman becoming Batman, and he can go on to the Justice League after this, but. I, I just don't think they should like announce and say. I mean, just just kind of just go with it. Where I think people will realize that, like you know, like the, they, I guess they can acknowledge that these movies happened and then just like move on and like kind of just keep it like, well, maybe they're related, but maybe they're not. Because just just like don't like announce anything like solid, like concrete. Just <laughs> make the next movie. They're movies, so. <laughs> Two faces skipped again. Oh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess that wouldn't work. All right, so that's all the talk we got about ju- the Justice League film. Um, in addition to the news for the Justice League film, um, because of this, T- thebatmanuniverse.net has decided that we are going to kind of tweak something that I was always opposed to. Um, back at the awards <laughs> show, you may have you may have read or you may have heard during the awards show that you know we had a couple different people who commented and said that we should cover more DC Universe news as far as the other characters like Green Lantern, Superman, and Wonder Woman, so forth and so on. I was always opposed to that because, to be quite frank, the Batman universe is pretty extensive as it is. And really, in my opinion, there's nothing that really is as big as the Batman universe with all the cartoons, the video games, the merchandise, the movies. Nothing compares as far as other DC properties. But with this news of Batman being possibly reinvented and the Justice League film possibly happening as early as 2013, which seems a little crazy to begin with, but that's another discussion for another day. But with that, there's, I feel like there's an importance that 
Batman fans should get to know some of these other characters within the DC Universe. You may only know about Batman, you may not know anything about any of these other characters. So what we've done is we've started a new section on the editorials, and when we launch the new site, it'll actually be its own little section of the website, which will be called DC Universe Spotlight. Now this is where we'll report like various news about the other DC properties. There's all kinds of different things. We're only going to really report the major things. You know, we've got Green Lantern coming out. We've got other animated films and animated TV shows coming out, and we'll talk. That'll be the place where we'll talk about those different items. I don't want to cross over the Batman stuff and the the, the DCU stuff too much until it gets to the point where the Justice League film is actually being made. But in the meantime, we need to do the other DC properties justice by getting the fans information about these other characters so that if this Justice League movie does happen, you're not walking into it not knowing who these characters are because chances are it's not going to be an origin film. So, with that being said, let's move into TV news. That message. Some people never learn. But Professor Irwin certainly learned something today. He was so worried about looking good in front of others, he presented a car to the public that he knew was dangerous. Right. And he learned the most important lesson of all. It's not what other people think about us that's important. What's important is doing what is right. I learned a lot too, Cape Crusaders. Next time Robin cooks supper, I'm eating out. There was a couple of different episodes that aired in the month of March. Uh, the very first one was on March 4th. We had a new episode of Young Justice called Downtime. On March 11th, we had a new episode of Young Justice called Barafet. And later in the month, on March 25th, we had a new episode of Batman Brave and the Bold called The Battle of the Superheroes, which featured the first appearance of Superman in Batman Brave and the Bold. As far as news for the month... On March 15th, Batman Brave and the Bold Season 1 Part 2 was released on DVD. You can read my review of that set on the editorial section. Quite frankly, um, even though this set does collect a number of really good episodes from Season 1, I still think breaking seasons into multiple parts is a waste of time. <laughs> it is. Yes, I hate it. Alright, the other bit of news comes on March 23rd. Cartoon Network released the information for their 2011-2012 season, and there was actually a ton of news related to the Batman universe. First up, both Young Justice and Batman Brave and the Bold received new season orders. Both shows will return along with this, although this probably will be the last season of Batman Brave and the Bold based on the announcement last year from the creators, stating that they would finish up making enough episodes to hit the magic number of shows to be syndicated. Um, and as we know, that the magic number is actually 65, even though we've had reports of 52, 56, a number of different numbers, 65 is the magic number. Later on that in a minute. The other big news is that Cartoon Network will be debuting a brand new show called DC Nation. There was very little revealed about the show, um, but the source did post up an announcement kind of describing what it is. Debuting in 2012 as a multi-platform franchise, DC Nation will be the exclusive home for original DC animation properties. Backed by the production, publishing, and marketing resources of Warner Brothers, DC Entertainment, and Cartoon Network, DC Nation will be an on-air and online programming block populated with event programming, interstitials, exclusive behind-the-scenes of theatrical production, and an insider look at the, the, into the world of all things DC. 
DC Nation on Cartoon Network will be the first ever dedicated broadcast destination to showcase the depth and breadth of the DC Universe, said Diane Nelson, president of DC Entertainment. We and our partners at WBTV are thrilled that fans will be able to immerse themselves in DC's phenomenal stories, experience a wide spectrum of amazing characters, and stay up to date on the latest happenings of the world's greatest superheroes and their creators, both on air and online. So, again, not a lot of information was given about this show, but this is what I've kind of deduced from what they've mentioned. Cartoon Network has other segments on that you could classify as programming blocks, such as Adult Swim, where they have show live-action shows and cartoons that are more adult-based. I'm thinking this DC Nation programming block is not actually going to be a show, but actually going to be a block of time where there's random different DC animated features, DC animated movies... You know, other things of that nature that air on Cartoon Network. And then during that time frame, we'll also see, you know, clips from animated movies coming out, behind-the-scenes stuff, that type of thing that they were talking about. That's what I'm assuming this will actually end up being. I would I would agree with you. That's, that's probably the, mo- the most likely uh, situation. If they actually came out with, like... Tons and tons and tons of new uh, Young Justice episodes and new shows, a new Batman show, a new Justice League show, a new Green Lantern show. That would be tops. But really, I, I think that the most likely scenario is definitely them um, showing all the t- all the different kinds of DC animated cartoons that have come out within the last decade and um, using that uh, time space to promote upcoming director video movies. Uh, so I would, I would agree with you. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that as well. See, the thing that's interesting to me is you have to think, yes, Batman Brave and the Bold is going to be ending. Now, the one thing I did want to talk about is the new episodes of Batman Brave and the Bold airing now actually technically bring us into Season 3. Now, with animation, it works a little bit different as far as what's considered a season, but essentially when you have 26 episodes produced and aired, that well, it's really produced, produced and aired somewhere, those episodes are classified as a season, depending on how many episodes were ordered for a season. The first season had 26, the second season had 26, and right now, currently, with the Battle of the Superheroes, that would actually bring us to the beginning of the third season. Now, there's other episodes that are set to air in the future, including the Batmite episode, but what's interesting about this is that 65 is the magic number, and we're already at 53. There's a couple episodes that of Season 2 that haven't aired yet because of whatever reason, but they have aired in either Europe or Australia, including the Birds of Prey episode that we've talked about in the past as well. So these episodes, we're already at 53. We're, we only have another 12 episodes before the end of the show. So... I'm assuming we're probably not going to be seeing very many episodes from now until Comic-Con. We may see maybe, you know, four or five more. But then they're probably going to wait for the bulk of them to be at the beginning of the 2011-2012 season. Or even push them back and make it 2012. Who knows? I did not know about that. Um, in fact, I forgot that that, that that Birds of Prey thing was originally in Australia and everything. I, hmm. Interesting. The other thing is, uh, that, well, going back to the DC Nation, you got to think to yourself, even if it was just a two-hour block of time on Cartoon Network, 
that two hours could ha- you know, would have four shows. We've got Batman Brave and the Bold, which will probably end up continuing to air. We've got Young Justice now. Next year, we've got the Green Lantern animated series that's coming out. And then we also have heard rumors about this new Batman series as well. So that's four shows right there. That's not even including you know any of the older shows like The Batman... Legion of Superheroes. You know, Justice League, Justice League Unlimited, including also the Super Friends from the past as well. So, I mean, there's tons of animated properties that DC has has in their library at this point. And a lot of them are actually available on iTunes right now. So, you know, there's a lot of things out there. It'd be great if we could see some of the shows from the past come back as well. You know, as much as Aquaman gets horrible... Uh, talk about when he was around in the 70s. He had, he had his own cartoon for a while. Uh, Hawkman had his own cartoon. They didn't last very long, but you know, I'd like to see all of those series that were done come out at some point. Uh, the Aquaman one has come out and has been released on DVD, but we've never seen the Hawkman one or some of the older ones as well. So it'd be nice to see some of those. I agree. The, the, I, I actually have seen some of those. They had a Flash tune. Um, I think I think even an Adam one, and you know, those are kind of cool for what they were. Yeah, that that would be really cool because I'm not one that's seen many of these older ones, so that'd be great to like if they put them on there. I would I would just turn it on, just watch, just pick them up wherever they are. So that is all the TV news we've got. Let's go right into merchandise news. the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, Super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. The very first thing we've got is on March 1st, Toy News International released information passed on to them from Mattel about the Young Justice toy line. Uh, the first set is the two packs and it will be four and a quarter inch tall figures which is the same size as the existing Justice League Unlimited figures. They will feature the same articulation as the Justice League Unlimited line. Each figure in the two pack will come with an individual display stand which will feature a character ID and bio information. Figures in the two packs were chosen to create mentor-mentee pairings giving fans show-to-shelf storylines in each pack. Their first wave will include Batman Robin, Aquaman and Aqualad, Ra's al Ghul and Cheshire, Flash, and Kid Flash. The other set will be the single packs, and they will feature six-inch figures um, similar to the DC Universe Classics line that has been released and continues to be released. Um, Really, the, the first series will have two figures, Robin and Artemis, and these packs also have very uh, a number of different accessories that come with the figures as well, similar to, again, the DC Universe Classics line. The next bit of news we've got is on March 7th, Young Justice Toys are heading to McDonald's. Now, 
by the time you listen to this episode, they probably won't be at McDonald's anymore, but hopefully you're checking out the website and seeing when we announce things so you can check it out. There was a Batman and a Robin toy featuring the Young Justice uh, style that were available at McDonald's in the Happy Meals, so you can check the pictures out online and maybe still find them at McDonald's now. Now, I've not been to McDonald's in a while, but I think I've seen those toys advertised in the back of a comic book. I think I've seen the Batman and Robin one, but that may have been something else. Yeah, I think it's cool if, if kids are going to get toys, might as well be Batman ones. Might as well be while they're eating wonderfully unhealthy food. <laughs> yeah. All right. On March 9th, DC Comics announced, along with Warner Brothers, that they have teamed up with Australian-based Guild Jewelry to produce pieces of Pieces based off of the DC superheroes. Celebrating 75 of DC Comics, Guild Jewelry Design is proudly to present or is proud to present high quality sterling silver jewelry featuring the classic DC characters, including Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the Flash. Um, there is a full range of items crafted from sterling silver with accents of 18 karat gold and jewelry grade resin. All jewelry is of the highest standards and meets all JAA requirements. Each piece comes in a presentation box and printed with the DC Originals logo. There will be a number of Batman items available, including the earrings, pendants, and rings. You can go to their website and you can actually find places that you can buy these items. I probably won't be buying them, but you never know. And neither will we. <laughs> Buy a Green Lantern ring. On March 9th, our friends over at Gotham Lights Online received details on two new additions to Eagle Moss's DC Comics Superhero Collection. Number 81 will feature Batwoman. Man Bat will also be featured on the line down the line. And Barbara Gordon version of Batgirl and Clayface are also expected to hit the line very soon in the future as well. Now, again, we've talked about these in the past. These are f- small figurines that are accompanied by a magazine that explains a number of different facts about these characters. Um, if you live in the United States, it's almost near impossible to get these figures and magazines because they're made in Europe for Europeans. Um, there are places online you can find them, but they cost an incredibly large amount of money. So moving on to March 10th, Toys News International passed the press images for Batman Legacy action figures from Mattel. As mentioned at Toy Fair, the line will have two packs and single packs. Here are the details as far as what we will see. We'll see a Batman Arkham City two-pack featuring Batman and Two-Face based off of the future Batman Arkham City video game. Uh, There will be a Batman Begins two-pack featuring prototype Batsuit Batman and Lieutenant Jim Gordon. We've seen the Batman prototype Batsuit in the past, but Jim Gordon is a new figure to the line. Uh, single packs will feature Silver Age Mr. Freeze, Modern Age Batman, and Golden Age Joker. The only one we haven't seen is the actual scale image of the Joker, but uh, there are other figures that are expected to be in this line as well. Um, we can probably see some of those in the near future with San Diego coming up in July. And the last bit of merchandise news we have is on March 21st, Hot Wheels announced a new Batmobile coming to stores in early April. The vehicle will be available in the normal mix with other Hot Wheels releases, but will be based off the Batmobile that appeared in Batman Arkham Asylum. The description for the car says, Based on the video game, the awesome Arkham Asylum Batmobile is the latest addition to Batman's fine fleet of crime-fighting rides. This 2011 new model slides onto shelves in early April. 
so you can check your local toy store or retailer for, the, for this car in the future. Alright, so with that, that's going to take us right into video game news. I need details, Captain. Tell me everything about him. This will help you. A little bit more video game news because uh, Batman Arkham City is starting to pick up with news. So the very first bit of video game news we have comes on March 3rd. Warner Brothers and Rocksteady continue to promote the release of Batman Arkham City with a ton more screenshots. This time we have seen the Joker and his lieutenant and a new Batman image. So you can check those out on the website. On March 7th, USA Today posted up an article wrapping up their co coverage of the Game Developers Conference, or GDC, and in the article, they mentioned a little bit of a tidbit about the beginning of the game and how it begins. So this is a little bit of a spoiler for those of you who want to know nothing about Batman Arkham City, but this is what they had to say. Batman's adventure is bigger in the sequel to Arkham Asylum, one of 2009's top games. Set 18 months after Batman's defeat of the Joker in the previous game, the new title is five times bigger, says Dax Skin of development studio Rocksteady. Arkham Asylum was primarily an indoors kind of layout, he says. We wanted to take the action to the streets of Gotham. The game starts with Batman learning that Catwoman has been taken captive by Two-Face. All these main criminal masterminds have their own agendas, Kin says. Two-Face is looking to establish himself as the guy to be feared and the gang to be joined. Look for Joker and Harley Quinn too. So, this kind of leads into our thoughts that we've had in the past about Kevin possibly teaming up with Batman throughout the game. Well, it, we know it's not going not, not to be co-op, which that would be interesting, but um, maybe she'll be like, a, like, maybe she'll go along the game, you know, assisting you and stuff, but at the very end you have to fight her and she's like last boss. Hmm. Uh, that'd be pretty cool. I, uh, I guess since they said so, I'll have to look for Joker and Harley Quinn too. <laughs> Alright, on March 10th, IGM posts up an interview with Dax Skin about his favorite gadgets in the game Batman Arkham City. Um, a lot of them are exactly the same as Arkham Asylum, with the addition of one gadget, which is the smoke pellet. And he said, the smoke pellet is something that you use when you're absolutely outnumbered, and most importantly, outgunned. So if there's a load of guys who are all packing assault rifles, and you know there's no way that you are going to be able to take them all down... If you drop a smoke bomb, it buys you maybe a half a second to then get out of there, whether that's grappling up to the ceiling or a gargoyle or making a covert exit. It's kind of like a last ditch. This is your final opportunity to get out of here alive. Now, the other um, gadgets, the cryptograph sequencer, the explosive gel, the back claw, and the line launch will all be featured, but will also have additional uses in the game as well. Moving along to March 11th, the release date was announced from Rocksteady and Warner Brothers. They, they said that the game will be coming out on October 18th, 2011, uh, in North America, and October 19th in Australia, and in Europe and the other global territories on October 21st. So, this obviously will be released for Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and also Windows PC. So there really wasn't anything but that, but uh, essentially, now we know when it's coming out. 
<laughs> they should have released it on Halloween. That'll be kind of cool. Twenty days later, it'd be October thirty-first. But uh, that, that's good. We got a date. All right. On March eleventh, PlayStation Blog had a chance to talk with Dax Jin about a couple of interesting points about Batman Arkham City. Dax was asked if there were plans to have Scarecrow missions on Batman Arkham City, to which he replied, Did you like the Scarecrow stuff? He replied, Well, we did too. Aren't you glad that you didn't know about the Scarecrow levels before you played Arkham Asylum? If they had been part of the marketing campaign, they wouldn't have had that kind of impact. So I'm just going to leave it there. Anything that is open to the sky is open to player right from the off, he explains. Nobody tells Batman where to go, so it was important for us to give that freedom right at the start. The interiors are gated and will open as a result of the narrative progression. Probably see some other characters within Batman Arkham City that they probably won't mention ahead of time because there's, you know, they want some surprises, which I don't blame them for that. Yeah, they're actually kind of showing their hand. Like, remember when you didn't expect the Scarecrow's level? Wasn't that cool how unexpected it was? Yeah. So it's like expected and expected, essentially, in this game, which is good. Yeah. Alright, on March 14th, Sony Online Entertainment released a new video for DC Universe Online. This video features the path that tech heroes or villains will follow with their mentors to advance on becoming the next legend. Batman, Joker, Huntress, Batwoman, and Scarecrow all made appearances in the video. You can check out that video either on the website or on the Batman Universe's YouTube page. The next bit of news we've got is on March 15th. The Batman Arkham City game trailer, gameplay trailer was released, and we see a little bit of what we heard about with the USA Today with Catwoman and Two-Face. We also see Joker. There was also possibly something to do with Black Mask appearing in the game, too. It was, it's, been, it's been long rumored that he would appear in the game since we've seen references to Sionis Industries, but we possibly saw the first glimpse of Black Mask in the game um, with him being beat down by some tiger agents in the gameplay trailer. Now, you don't actually see his face, but if you compared the character that we saw being beat down to the concept art that was released for with Batman Arkham Asylum, there's very distinct similarities between the two that probably lead us to believe that Black Mask will be appearing in Arkham City. Well, as far as the Black Mask goes, that'd be really cool to see him in the game since he's one of my favorite villains. All right, so the next bit, also on March 15th, IGN posts up a feature talking about the Riddler's return in Batman Arkham City. The Riddler had little effect on Batman in Batman Arkham Asylum, but that will change. Looks like the Riddler will be upping his game and going after innocent citizens as well as villains. The Riddler trophies will also be a little harder to find as Batman will have to beat the information out of informants to learn the location of the trophies. There are also more involved traps needing Batman's gadgets to achieve finding trophies. Similar to the first game, the Riddler side quests are optional, but they are the only way of capturing the Riddler. So we will see the Riddler return. That's We, we kind of assumed that was going to happen. Um, but then the interesting thing was... On March 16th, Rocksteady and Warner Brothers released some images of the Riddler, so we're actually going to be seeing the Riddler in Batman Arkham City, unlike before where he we just heard his voice. Um, so you can check those screenshots out online. On March 16th, the official site 
Batman Ark- for Batman Arkham City, Sefton Hill shared a few more bits of information about the game in form of a letter. I'm going to read through this letter very quickly. It says, Hi all, Sarah May has asked me to put down a few words about the game's structure and playtime as there are a lot of questions out there about this. Batman Arkham City's story mode was designed to be story-driven while remaining open world as we felt there was really interesting space in between the two types of play. There is a main storyline, don't worry, no spoilers here, which will take around 12 to 15 hours to complete, but this is less than half of the game. In addition to this, there are the new Arkham City missions. These tell the story of what happens when Gotham's most notorious supervillains are locked up together. These run concurrently with the main story and can be tackled whenever you find them in the city streets. Some of my favorite moments are in these missions, including tracking down a deranged serial killer, solving a murder mystery, forming an alliance with a one-time villain, and confronting the Riddler as he attempts to prove once and for all he is better than Batman. We've probably spent as much time creating the Arkham City missions and bringing the world to life as we have on the main storyline, and I think the choice of what to solve and where to go at times gives the game a unique feeling. Then, of course, there are, are the riddles and secrets to solve. We have, we've had a great fun adding these to the streets of Arkham City. Our goal was to always... Our goal was always to create the most interesting and richly detailed open-world game ever, and these make it rewarding to explore every square inch of the city. And Riddler has definitely raised up his game this time. It won't just be a simple case of finding the secrets. Nearly every secret requires you to use a gadget in inventive and interesting ways. Completing all of these will take around another 12 to 15 hours of play, bringing the story mode time up to around 25 to 30 hours. All that and I haven't even gotten to the new, upgraded challenge mode. We're currently all working like crazy to polish Arkham City as much as possible, and I can't wait until you get to play it. Speak to you soon, Sefton Hill. 25 to 30 hours playtime, I'm, I'm completely content with that. Um, clearly, this is if you run through it, and you are having very little issues. I'm interested in these Arkham City missions because I really want to see these the, the story of you know the supervillains locked up together it's kind of what they did with Arkham Asylum where we saw the history of Arkham Asylum you know through the voice clips of Amadeus Arkham yeah that part was brilliant and um i think that this is just i like how they're they're sort of they really are expanding on the first game with you know now you see the riddler now we'll know more about you know the inmates in there and you will be seeing them it's all like it's all very, very good in terms of like what they're expanding on and what they're giving you a little bit more of without you know just giving you everything. So it's very cool. All right, and the final bit of video game news comes on March 29th. ArkhamCity.co.uk came across an interesting image from Batman Arkham City. Although it was a very low-res information, and this is going to probably be a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear about this, fast-forward like two minutes. Um, the first images of Penguin and Mr. Freeze in the Batman Arkham Asylum universe were in this image. Um, so what could the role of Penguin and Mr. Freeze be in Arkham City? Could they be main bosses? Batman Arkham City clearly will be released on October 18th and we'll find out more. But what was really interesting is even though ArkhamCity.co.uk posted the image and it appeared that these images were part of uh, avatars for future use... 
it looks like the image was actually legit because Warner Brothers and Rocksteady asked for the image and story to be removed from their site. Um, so can we maybe expect to see something released of, about these characters in the future since the images could have been avatars on the website, which one could assume would have been released before the game's release? So Penguin and Mr. Freeze. We knew, most likely, again, we were probably going to see Penguin and Mr. Freeze based on things from that original teaser trailer back in 2009 with uh, the Iceberg Lounge and some of the different evaluations of some of the screenshots with the snow and ice and stuff. I'd be interested in seeing those characters. I would be think it would be great to add those characters in. And if you were able to see the image, it was... Very, very interesting designs. Definitely not something we've seen before. I missed it before they took it down, so I never saw them. All right, so that is all the video game news. Make sure you're checking back on the website for all the latest updates about Batman Arkham City and DC Universe Online. Let's move into general news. I want something from you that's very precious. Something you've worked very hard to conceal. Something when gone, you can never regain. Something... So shattering. So we got two things. One heading, one about Batman Live, and another one about something completely different. So the first thing on March second, the Batman Live storyline was announced, and basically, it is kind of an interesting thought. Uh, The the show is going to start on July nineteenth in England but the storyline is something that a lot of people have been wondering how it's going to work and this and the other well this is what the press release stated faithfully adapted from the DC Comics character and stories Batman Live focuses on Robin's quest for justice which leads him to follow in the footsteps of his hero the mysterious vigilante known as Batman much to the dismay of his protective guardian millionaire Bruce Wayne who secretly happens to be Batman the dynamic triangle resolves itself in a non-stop thrill ride across Gotham City that transformed Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson into legendary crime fighters Batman and Robin and transports the audience from the big top of Haley's Circus to the lower depths of Arkham Asylum, from the glittering peaks of the Iceberg Lounge to the subterranean wonders that await inside the Batcave, which features a revolutionary all-new Batmobile designed exclusively for Batman Live. A dazzling celebration of storytelling and stagecraft, Batman Live is at the heart of an affecting coming-of-age story. Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson, both orphaned at an early age, must first learn to overcome their own fears and forge their own family, along with Police Commissioner James Gordon and Bruce's trusted butler, Alfred Pennyworth. If they're going to survive the combined forces of Batman's larger-than-life rogues gallery, the Joker, the Penguin, Catwoman, the Riddler, Two-Face, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy. So... Interesting story. Um, the story, original story, was originally by Stan Berkowitz, Alan Burnett, and Alan Heinberg. Uh, we know Alan Burnett has worked on Batman the Animated Series in the past, as well as the comics. Same thing with Stan Berkowitz as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think it's going to be an interesting story. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that's a very interesting premise for a, uh, a live show. And the fact that Burn- um, Alan Burnett and Stan Berkowitz were behind it, because they uh, you know, did did so much of the animated work that 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 fills with a lot of hope, uh, um, as opposed to my derisive cynicism that I had last when I first heard about this. So I'm 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 now 
excited for this. I mean, if it's going to start showing in England, that's one thing, but just just learning more about it, it'll be interesting. Yes, and um, I mean, we saw the we saw the sets, and the sets look great, and the story now sounds very interesting to me, at least. All right. So the other bit of news was on March 24th. Warner Brothers sent over an announcement that a number of properties will be featured next year at the main amusement park in Brazil called Hoppy Harry. Um, now, this would obviously be in line for those listeners who are in Brazil. But, um, you know, in the United States, we have Six Flags, and that's where we'll see the DC Comics characters appear as far as in rides and amusement attractions and things like that. But outside of the United States, obviously this isn't a Disney thing where there's Disneyland and Disney Worlds all over the place. So with that, you have to wonder, well, how did these other, how did the DC Comics properties get to other these other nations? Well, this company, Hoppy Harry, um, which has, which basically is in charge of the largest amusement park in Brazil. We'll be featuring not only the DC Comics properties, but also Looney Tunes and Penelope Pit Stop. <laughs> so what's what's interesting about that is essentially Warner Brothers has given them the rights to use the characters just like we see in Six Flags. Alright, so that is all of the news we've got. Let's go right into our Dark Knight Rises rumor mill. Freeze! I see freeze! I see winter five of frozen! I see freeze! Winter ice! I see freeze! Winter winter! Freeze! Cold! Frosty! There was a significant number of rumors, and obviously as we pick up closer to May, when shooting is scheduled to begin, we'll probably see a lot more rumors. So let's run through some of these. Starting on March 2nd, there was an interesting bit that hit the web about the plot for The Dark Knight Rises. While this may or may not be true, consider yourself warned if you want to not know anything about spoilers before we continue. So again, fast forward. Badass Digest supposedly talked with someone close to what they called the Bat Camp and have come back with the following. As she herself confirmed, Anne Hathaway will be Catwoman in the movie. I can't tell you what role she has in the beginning, but by the end of the story, Catwoman isn't a villain, but rather an ally of Batman. And who are they teaming up to take out? The League of Shadows, headed by Talia Ghul, with Bane, who is her muscle-slash-possible love interest, and with Joseph Gordon-Levitt in tow. Is he playing Black Mask? My source didn't know, but did know that Levitt is certainly an antagonist and involved with the League of Shadows. Uh, they obviously did make a point to point out that false information has been passed out before, but what made this real interesting was that Batman on Film's response to the rumor on their Facebook page. They said, <laughs> FYI, some Dark Knight Rises details have leaked. I know that they are true because I've known about it for a few weeks now. Please don't post or link it here, but if you want to know, it will be easy to find. Trust me. So with this information possibly being true, it's what, not. Do you, what do you think? And why does it always seem that BOF knows about things after some other site posts the info about it? <laughs> They're clairvoyant like that. I don't think it's going to happen because I just don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I mean, I, I guess it sounds a little... It would be interesting, but I don't think that's going to happen. The thing that I see happening is Catwoman teaming with Batman at some point. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think they're going to go in the route of Catwoman is this horrible, evil person, and that's all she does. Because no. that's not actually how the character is, and they've been pretty good about... Characterization? Interpreting, yeah, interpreting the characters the way they actually are. 
Not only that, but um, I, I think that, uh, that that would be just too simple for this kind of movie to say, oh, Catwoman's a villain, here you go. Yeah. Plus, then we would be overflowed with vil- more villains than we probably need. Mm-hmm. Alright, so then on March 3rd, the remarks that we made on March 2nd about BOF being behind times must have hit home for them because they suddenly posted up two bits to add to the rumor mill. The first one is that their source said that Batman may be getting a flying vehicle of sorts this time around along with a possibly new Batmobile. Uh, and the other rumor is that the production company has toured a number of schools in Pittsburgh focusing specifically on the interiors of the buildings. This would not be so different from what they did for The Dark Knight with the old post office in Chicago. Um, they also posted the pictures and you can see those on our website labeled under the Dark Knight Rises Rumor Mill Vehicles and Pittsburgh. Um, I'm just going to say, you know, a new Batmobile? That's that's insane. Why would they make a new Batmobile? What post office was in Dark Knight? Uh, the old post office in Chicago was actually what they used to do the bank heist scene in the beginning of the film. Oh, okay. That's 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 awesome. They might they might use a school. I don't know what they will use a school for, but that's that's interesting. That, that could possibly be true. Yeah, I mean, who knows? What, what, again, the, the the production company has been seen at so many different locations. It's almost impossible to know exactly what they're looking for. So, so again, we'll just have to try to wait and see. All right, on March 11th, um, we had a little bit of an interesting thing happen. Um, so despite the fact that Aaron Eckhart has consistently been telling the media that for the past few months that he will not be in The Dark Knight Rises, okay. it looks like he added a little fuel to the rumor mill in an interview with CBS News. Um, he basically said when asked, are you coming back as Two-Face, or isn't Two-Face dead, he said, well, I don't know, is he? And like, so are, are you coming back to The Dark Knight Rises? He goes, well, I don't know, am I? So this is this is what I take away from this. Uh, what he said could be taken in a number of different ways. It hasn't even been a couple weeks since we saw the MTV interview where he said that he will not return for the next film. Aaron may have just gotten tired of people asking him the question and decided to screw with the media, but that will eventually backfire on him when they continue to ask him what he meant by these remarks. Yeah, he screwed. <laughs> well, I think, yeah, I, I really think that it sounds like he was just getting annoyed by everybody asking him. But on the side of optimism, if he's, you know, playing us and he might have a, have a cameo role, that would be kind of cool. But more than likely, he's probably just annoyed and, and just, just kidding. Yeah, I think that's the case. Maybe he's just holding on to hope that maybe, like, maybe after they're done filming, he'll ask Chris Nolan, well, can you put me in after the fact, like, in post-production, please? Just put me in there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, no. All right. Then on March 15th, Showbiz Spy posts up an interesting article about how Christian Bale is currently getting in shape for The Dark Knight Rises. In the article, they state that despite losing weight for a number of films, he treats every film like it's his last role. And they said, but with Bruce Wayne and Batman, he feels that it's his last chance to really nail the role. He's poring over comic books, and he started the kind of diet and exercise regime that is more like in line with an Olympic athlete than an actor. He's going to be in the best shape of his life by the time he gets the Batsuit on again. Bale will obviously have to get in shape to be Batman this time around if he's set to go against Bane. 
Not sure if he will be as big as he was for Batman Begins, which he appeared without his shirt more often than he did with In the Dark Knight, but he will definitely be much different than his role when he was in The Fighter last year. Mm. Um, that's interesting, because he's always been in shape ever since The Dark Knight, but or since Batman Begins, but he was just um, a lot thinner. You know, he was a little more cut. I think it's good because I would like to see him be a little bigger. I thought the, the size he thought he was for the Dark Knight was good, but I would personally like, like to see him be a little bigger than a, a little in, in between what he was between Batman Begins and the Dark Knight. Yeah, Chris, Christian Bell is a great actor, and I, and he would go all out to to get to make it look. I mean, if he felt he wasn't like up to where he thought he should have been in the Dark Knight. And so I, that'd be cool. I'd like, yeah, I agree with Donovan. I'd like to see him a little bigger. And since he's reading a lot of comics, he should join the forums. But I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On March 18th, Variety reported that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in, is in fact locked in to star in The Dark Knight Rises. While they do not know who he will play for sure, the assumption is that he will be a villain. They stated, speculation has run rampant regarding what character Gordon-Levitt will play Though the part is being kept under wraps, blogs have pegged the part as the Riddler or more likely Deadshot as a member of the villainous League of Shadows, but Nolan has elected to keep fans in the dark for now. Friday is also reporting that Juno Temple is being sought for a supporting role in films. Temple is known for a lot of indie films, but is said to be a great actress. Um, One thing that I have to say about this... um, if they're going to announce that these people are actually in the film, they'll announce it. If not, we're just going to be hoping to hear something um, while we wait for these trade announcements that you know may or may not be true. Who knows? For all we know, it could be you know complete red herring. What's interesting is that they state that the blogs have pegged him as the Riddler or Deadshot, a member of the League and the League of Shadows. We know that the Riddler is not going to be in the film, and we also know that Deadshot was not a member of the League of Shadows. He may have worked for the League of Shadows as like a contractor or a freelance, but he was never actually in the League of Shadows. So the Suicide Squad—that was what it was. Yeah. So that's I—I I got a problem with you know again. Love to know what blogs are pegging the Riddler, considering we've already been told the Riddler is not happening. Yeah, for real. All right, so the next one is on March 19th. In addition to the post the day before, Variety is also now claiming that they know the role that Joseph Gordon-Levitt is playing in The Dark Knight Rises. Um, they changed their little thing that says, Speculation has run rampant regarding the role with blogs pegging the part as the Riddler or Deadshot, but insiders tell Variety that Gordon-Levitt will be playing Alberto Falcone, the son of the Mafia chieftain Carmine Falcone, the character Tom Wilkinson played in Batman Begins. Alberto Falcone, who is also known as the Holiday Killer, would bring Nolan's superhero trilogy full circle. The character fits in with the Helmer's stated intentions for continuity and preference to pit the Cape Crusader against a realistic villain, as opposed to cartoonish nemesis such as Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy, who Batman battled in Joel Shoemaker's 1997 <laughs> Misfire, Batman and Robin. <laughs> they had to mention that. <laughs> was a now, misfire? <laughs> I think it would be more like a, not not a misfire, but uh, shooting blanks. That's that for real. Be a bad <laughs> Um, now, if you remember about a month or two ago, when Gordon Levitt was first rumored to be cast, our very own Zach lists off the possible characters he could play. Uh, Alberto Falcone was at the top of his list, so we'll wait and see what Team Nolan has to say about all of this. 
before we classify this as actual news. So then March 21st. Now, this is what's very interesting. What gets posted as far as a rumor mill is a rumor and not news. Um, this is... I want to clear this up because there was a lot of events that happened in the area of March 19th, 20th, and 21st that really blew up all over the internet. And if you're coming to the site or if you're listening to this podcast and want rumors, this is where you're going to find them, not with movie news because they're not news. Um, That being said, over the weekend, we saw a number of things about Joseph Gordon-Levitt hit the net. First, Variety said he was cast for Dark Knight Rises. Then they updated their post saying that he was going to be playing Alberto Falcone. Well, as predicted, the net blew up and everyone was posting up as a fact. Maybe they should have read it here as a rumor because the writer of the original article at Variety had this to say about the article. Let me stress that no one with the authority to do so has confirmed this info. Not Warner Brothers reps, not reps, not certainly Nolan or other producers. Regardless, I trust my sources and stand by my story 100%. Do note the comic book movie's original Alberto Falcone rumor was removed. Hmm... Um, the number, so basically those were tweets from Jeff Snyder, the writer of the article on Variety. Now, it is interesting that he mentioned comic book movies since plenty of other sites mentioned the rumor as well. Could comic book movie have some sort of inside info? Anyway, sites like BOF offered their thoughts on the announcement as if it was official, and Entertainment Weekly chimed in with the announcement and shared a little bit something different. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, long rumored to be joining his Inception brethren in The Dark Knight Rises, will appear in director Christopher Nolan's third Batman film. But a source close to the situation says that recent reports that Gordon-Levitt will play Alberto Falcone, a.k.a. the Holiday Killer, the son of former mob kingpin Carmine Falcone, Tom Wilkinson, are incorrect. So, Batman fans, begin the re-speculation now. While they clearly offer no counter as to who Gordon Levitt will play, we do know that Entertainment Weekly is owned by Time Warner, which also owns Warner Brothers Pictures. This could be someone's blowing smoke into the fire, or it could be something hinted from inside the corporate structure that is Time Warner. What's really interesting is that BatmanNews.com saw something occur over at BOF while this was all happening. Here's what they said. Now, this is where things get even crazier. Earlier today, after Entertainment Weekly published their article, BOF edited their original post, replacing all references of Black Mask with X's. Did BOF make the change to protect their relationship with Warner Brothers in an attempt not to give away Gordon Levitt's character? Perhaps, but the BOF article has been edited again, this time back to its original form with Black Mask intact. So, what's the deal? Is Jorson Gordon-Levitt playing Black Mask or Alberto Falcone? Well, we may have to wait a little bit longer to find out. Now, I actually posted on the forum saying, Hey, he's he's Alberto Falcone. Everyone says so. I think it was Dustin said, No, no, it's just a rumor. And I was like, But the evidence! It's overwhelming! Um, I mean, hmm. I mean, it's one of the most logical rumors that I've I've heard come out, which is why I, I was seduced by the lies. But I think that, again, you know, like, like the Bane in Tom Hardy's Bane and Hathaway's Catwoman thing, the first people that, that announced that were, were official news, like officially. It, it wasn't a rumor before it was announced. So, I mean, I know the, the Anne Hathaway Catwoman thing was, but 
it was it was it seemed like it was only for a little while before it was announced you know that those two characters were those two were played by those two actors so i think that's that's what you need to base that's what everybody needs to base their information off of from now on just in terms of how it was how it was handled last time yeah exactly but i do think that I mean, it probably just I'm biased because I love Long Halloween and Dark Victory, but he to me he is perfect for Alberto Falcone. So if he's not him, I'm gonna be angry for everybody else trolling me by saying he was going to. <laughs> All right, on March 23rd, BatmanNews.com received some information about a local area near London stating that they saw Chris Nolan and his team scouting a place called Osterley Park. Um, essentially, I'm not going to read through everything about this, but you can check out a picture online about this. This, the If you look at the picture, it essentially looks like this could be the new Wayne Manor. It's a ginormous mansion that, if you compare it to a picture of Wayne Manor in the comics, it would be very similar. So this place could be the new Wayne Manor if, if, we, if we know, you know, we'll find out, obviously, later on. I really hope so. Um, on March 24th, we saw some rumors brewing about uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but also part of those rumors was talking about this character, Juno Temple. Well, Variety is reported on March 24th that Showblitz is saying that she is locked in for The Dark Knight Rises. Uh, the most mainstream that Temple has appeared in was year one with Jack Black and Michael Cera. Um, at this point, even before the official confirmation, there are already guesses of who she will play. Variety says that their source says she will play a street-smart Gotham girl. Some people are already saying that this could be Robin. And if you log on IMDb right now, you'll actually see that it says she's playing Stephanie Brown. What? The rumors ensue. <laughs> Alright, on March 25th, so a fan by the name of XNN21 sent a shot of a police Gotham Police Department uh, SUV parked outside of a paint and decal shop in Rolling Meadows Superhero Hype. They posted it up online, and uh, we decided to do a little bit of research into this. Um, there's a couple of interesting points about the image that they posted up about its authenticity. In both Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, the police cars were used, but SUVs were not used. So that could be something that could still happen, but who knows. The other interesting thing is that the paint scheme on the vehicle that was shown, as well as the vehicles in the films prior, was exactly the same except for the words reversed. So instead of GPD police, we saw police GPD on this other vehicle. Being from Chicago, I decided I wanted to check this out. So I googled paint and decal shops in Rolling Hills, Illinois. And there was three shops. I drove around to all three locations, and there was no sort of vehicle that looked like any of these vehicles. So some may argue that this was moved or in a garage, but I did stop and look around. And I also asked one of the places that was open if they heard anything about working on movie vehicles, to which they replied, that never happens out here. So while there are a ton of possibilities as far as this being real, it could also be an old pick. So one thing to consider is that I don't remember seeing any SUVs in either Batman Begins or Dark Knight, so who knows what's going on. That is all of the rumors, so make sure you're checking out the website for all of the rumor mills. They're all categorized as TDKR rumor mills, and they're always posted up as soon as we find out about them. 
So with that, let's get into our spotlight character, which is none other than Azrael. I am vengeance. I am the night. I am that man. A song the good folks sing. A song the good folks sing. Batman about a hero on the wing. Hero on the wing. Batman. I am Gotham's darkest night, the villain's darkest fright. Turn on the signal light. We are doing the actual character of Azrael and not the people who've played Azrael. So as we get into Azrael, we'll find out there's a multiple number of people who've assumed the role of Azrael throughout time. We're not covering those individual people, but we're covering the character of Azrael and the history of the character. So, Azrael. The Sacred Order of the Saint Dumas existed for five centuries, a splinter group of the Knights Templar. It was a secret society that mixed martial training with quasi- mystical belief system. Over time, improved technology helped to serve the Order's goals of protecting those they deemed sacred. In the 20th century, its members began to experiment with test tube babies and genetic manipulation. At the same time, the Order trained followers in something known as the System, which mixed fervent religious belief with the unparalleled fighting skills. This appeared in Batman's Sword of Azrael, number 1, October 1992. Jean-Paul Vallée was the first successful result of the test tube experiments, his genes having been mixed with those of simians. As a child, he was deeply indoctrinated into the system, something he was eventually trained to forget until he was ready to employ his knowledge as an adult. Vallée remembered nothing of the order until his father revealed everything as he lay dying. Jean-Paul's secret past was brought to light, and the university student was shocked to learn his forgotten childhood. Upon his father's death, Jean-Paul was taken to a secret location where he donned the armor of Azrael, the Order's Angel of Death, and began following the Order's instructions without question, just as his rigorous training demanded. When assigned to kill a weapons dealer who threatened a fragile international peace, Azrael first encountered Batman in Gotham City. As a result of the encounter, which ended the dealer's business without ending his life, Azrael realized total blind obedience was wrong. Recognizing the need for further training in all matters, he accompanied Batman back to Gotham City. Together, they fought crime, and while Batman tried to instill some sense of moral justice in John Paul, he struggled to fight the system with his newfound free will. He would do so for the rest of his life. A short time later, before Ezreal's training was complete, Batman's back was broken during an encounter with Bane, and with Gotham City overrun by the criminals Bane freed from Arkham Asylum, the gravely injured Bruce Wayne asked John Paul Valley to put aside Azrael's armors and take up the mantle of the Bat. A grateful valley accepted and donned Batman's cape and cowl. Little time was lost in establishing to Gotham City residents that Batman was back in action, thereby squelching rumors of the Dark Knight's injury or death. However, the system continued to prey on Sean Paul's mind, and fairly quickly he began to replace portions of Bruce Wayne's Batman costume with tailor-made armor enhancements of his own design. Unlike his more disciplined mentor, Jean-Paul fought to win and didn't care what condition his enemies were left in. He continually defied Wayne's instructions, including taking on Bane, who Jean-Paul defeated in hand-to-hand combat. This happened in Batman number 500 in October 1993. Obsessed with his new role, he eventually banned Robin and Harold Allnut from the Batcave in order to focus on training in complete solitude. In time, Bruce Wayne recovered from his ordeal with Bane, and his first act was to reclaim the Batman mantle from Jean-Paul, who fought Bruce with the, with the intent to kill. When Wayne defeated him, Valley was distraught. 
Jean-Paul spent the next few years trying to find a place for himself in the world while fighting for justice. He tempered his fighting with more compassion, remembering Batman's training and placing it ahead of the system. This then put him at odds with the Order, whose members demanded strict loyalty to their agenda. They ordered his death, and agents of the Order tried to kill Valley on more than one occasion. To compound matters, Valley didn't quite understand how to successfully deal with people and fumbled at things as simple as social interactions and dating. He earned himself enemies whenever he came to the aid of others, including megalomaniacs Nicholas Scratch and Carrollton Leha. Azrael was called to aid the Dark Knight on several subsequent occasions, such as when the clench, a deadly disease, was unleashed on Gotham City. Finally, when he no longer needed to single-mindedly fight the system, Azrael took on his father's spirit and that of St. Dumas himself as well. In the process, he experienced hallucinations and other supernatural manifestations that made him question how much freedom he truly had in choosing his own path. One result of this spiritual conflict was the destruction of the Order's European mountain headquarters, and its centuries-long reign finally came to an end. In a climactic battle with his frequent opponents, Scratch and Leha, Azrael was struck with bullets coated with a deadly toxin. Although his body was never recovered, Batman and the rest of the world believed Azrael dead. It was an Azrael agent of the Bat, number 100, in May 2003. All right, and in 2009, a miniseries entitled Azrael Death's Dark Knight was produced as a tie-in for Battle for the Cowl crossover event and later had a regular series. The new Azrael is the third ghost of Batman to undergo Dr. Hurt's experiments, an African-American ex-cop named Michael Washington Lane. He is approached by the Order of Purity to reclaim the mantle of Azrael after the Order of Dumas, latest Azrael went mad and killed an undercover police officer. On his first night as Azrael, he fights Talia al Ghul and a new team of mercenaries led by Merlin and Nightwing. After convincing Nightwing that he was not responsible for the murdered police officer, Nightwing persuades Talia to allow Michael to keep the suit of sorrows. In Batman and the Outsiders, Volume 2, Number 14, the character is displayed as a charming man who undergoes various purification rituals overseen by the Order of Purity. The character is currently active in Gotham City, but we know as uh, time progresses, the series was canceled, and his status is currently unknown as far as after the next month. And that uh, is Azrael. As far as in other media appearances, Azrael appeared in... Lego Batman the video game, and he also appears in DC Universe Online. That is Azrael. We did that one because Dancing Mike over on the forums requested to know a little bit more about Azrael. So if you have a character you want to know more about, send us an email, let us know. We will try to uh, tell you about the character you want to know about. So with that, that's going to bring us into our feature, which is the current state of the Bat Books. Holy goofa! Holy nuclear time bombs! Holy overeating! Holy roller coasters! Holy traffic jams! Holy double identity! Holy catastrophes! Holy batnet! Holy hoaxes! Holy magnetic missiles! We have done this in the past. We're going to run through the current books that are currently available from DC Comics related to Batman and to kind of talk about some different changes that have been made, some things that are happening inside the books. Um, we're not going to go into a lot of detail. Obviously, you can listen to the comic cast and you can hear a lot more about the comics. We're going to briefly go over some of the different things going on in the comic book end of things so that you know what's going on so you can actually possibly get interested and pick up a, you know an issue of Batman something or another. All right, so the first couple we're going to go through are we're going to... We've talked about some issues in the past. There was a, there was a couple different series called... 
uh, Batman Streets of Gotham, Batman Confidential, and Azrael. There was also Batman and the Outsiders. Well, Batman and the Outsiders eventually turned into just the Outsiders when Batman, after Batman R.I.P., Batman was no longer around. And that Outsider series focused a lot more on Superman, and that's coming to a close. That series is ending. Streets of Gotham, Confidential, and Azrael, all of those series also have come to an end. Um, not really anything worthwhile being told in any of the books specifically that uh, would justify the books continuing. Streets of Gotham was the story of Tommy Elliot, also known as Hush. And they wrapped that story up pretty well in the last issue of the series. And Confidential and Azrael were kind of just waning on for time. Uh, Azrael is appearing in a crossover event in the month of April. So you can check that out in Batman, Red Robin, and Gotham City Sirens. Besides that, let's go through some of the normal continuity stories. First up, we have Batman, which generally has Tony Daniel as the writer and artist. He's telling a number of different stories related to Batman. Um, Batman Dick Grayson as is happening in the, in the Batman universe right now. And we've been seeing Riddler and Two-Face make appearances as well as a number of different new characters as well. Batman's been... Uh, it, it's, it's, Daniel's run started off decent, I think. I think most people were expecting a little more, and it was okay. In the last year with this past storyline, he's been getting steadily better. I think his art has been improving after being a little bit of a, of a slump after working with Grant Morrison. And he's, he's writing some interesting things. He's working with Dick Grayson. He's using a lot of classic Batman characters such as the Riddler and Lucius Fox and guys like that and uh, the Falcones. And it's, it's okay. It's not, it's not great, but it's not bad by any means. It's, it's, it's okay. Yeah, ba- Batman has been pretty... It's been pretty good. It's, it's, it's not the greatest Batman book out there right now, but it's certainly not the worst. It's, it's been probably maybe average to a little above average. I love Tony Daniels' art a lot, and he's doing a pretty good job writing. He's, it's getting better from when he first came onto the book. All right, the next book we've got is Batman Incorporated. Now, this is Grant Morrison writing. There's a number of different artists on this issue. On, there's a number of different artists teaming with Grant Morrison on this series, but this is following... Batman Bruce Wayne as he travels the world, basically recruiting other Batmen in various locations around the world. So far we've seen Japan and Argentina. Um, In the future we'll also be seeing um, another Batman in England besides Knight. We'll also be seeing another one inside of, I guess, I don't even know what area you would consider it, but it's it's a Native American Batman that uh, comes from the past history of Batman. That's what Batman Incorporated is. Not really a book to jump into if you haven't been reading the books specifically because there's a lot of different things going on that really fall specifically into a specific storyline. Oh, yeah. Uh, this is this is probably one of the more controversial titles just based on the nature of the premise. Batman fighting more Batman to become Batman. I, I've been, I enjoyed the first couple of issues because I thought that the storyline, the stories were pretty straightforward. The art's been pretty good generally. Um, it's it's it's, also, it's one of those titles which basically continues Grant Morrison's Batman. You know, they start off in Batman, then went to Batman and Robin, now it's Batman Inc. So if you're interested in Grant Morrison Batman, you go here. But it also requires a lot of back reading. So uh, I, w- I would recommend it, but with a uh, caution for history lessons. I don't know about this one. I'm not one of those people that for some reason hate Grant Morrison for no reason. But I, I've 
I'm not the hugest fan of him, and I thought this one was a little silly. I don't like Batman fighting giant octopi. It's okay. It's I, I don't love it, but it could be worse. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the art, actually, myself, but it's okay. All right, next up we've got Detective Comics, which is Scott Snyder writing and Jock and Francisco Francavella on art. This is probably, if you want to read something, you know, good, some good Batman detective stories and not necessarily have to know what's going on in the entire DC universe or entire Batman universe, this might be the book for you. He's been, Scott Snyder is fairly new to comic books in general, but has an amazing book that he puts out with Vertigo called American Vampire that's been critically accepted in every way, shape, and form. And he came on to Detective Comics in November and has been doing an amazing job telling amazing stories. And this is a book where, again, you don't have to know a lot about what's going on in the overall story to not appreciate what's going on in his stories. Oh, yeah. This is, uh, in I think a lot of our minds, the Batman book to follow. I mean, whereas the other ones were okay or dealt a lot with more continuity, this is like the Batman that we most gravitate towards is dealing with really, really, really good storytelling, uh, very, very superb um, uh, dealings with the characters and how they're being written, very gripping, uh, compelling, and downright creepy just, just issues in general a lot, a lot of times with the villains. And it's been a very, it's, it, it's not been going on for very long, but... It already, it, this is becoming this, the stuff that's being talked about for a long time. Now, Detective Comics is the series that I, I don't usually pick up. I go arc to arc and kind of wait to see what people think about it. So, with all the positive reviews I've been getting from all the comic cast people and everything, I finally went out and got it because that's like what I did with um, the Batwoman way back last year. So, I, I just wait on Detective Comics and I actually picked up the most recent one and I'm going to go back and get the last arc. But I'm just going off what I hear. It's definitely been something worthwhile that uh, even even if you're the, the slightest Batman fan, you don't even... I mean, yes, it, some people would consider Dick Grayson not to be Batman and be to Nightwing or Robin or whatever, but the stories that are being told, it, it doesn't make a difference that Dick Grayson is Batman. It's, it's just really good stories. So with that being said, let's get into our next book. We've got Gotham City Sirens, which continues... The story that's been around for a while with Catwoman, Harley Quinn, and Poison Ivy. Um, no real way of knowing exactly where the story is headed. There's a number of different elements with the characters that who knows how it's going to play out. Harley Quinn has decided she wants to kill the Joker, even though for the most part the three of them have been trying to play on the good side of the law for the most part. And that's what's going on in Gotham City Sirens. Sirens is uh, very weird for me. It started out, you know, written by Paul Dini, who I think few people can write uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn better than Paul Dini. Yeah, and even Selena Kyle, too. But after he really waffled and left the book, it's been floundering. And I, I think that it's a series that just does not need to be there. Um, it's not terrible, but a lot of times I think it's a waste of time. Not much really goes on that affects the long term. And so many other times, Catwoman's being used in a lot of other titles anyway, so I think that if, if she's supposed to be a center focus of the book, it's sort of inconsequential because a lot more important things are happening to her in other books. So, you can, 
check check it out and make your own decision. But I wouldn't recommend it just just for the fact that I don't really see a point in it existing anymore. Yeah, I never really got into this one. It just didn't do it for me. I I remember I think I picked up the first few, then I kind of just dropped it and kind of just forgot about it. There was nothing to really keep me reading it. All right, and then the next series we've got is Superman Batman. This series, we're going on, you know, 80-plus issues of this series. They kind of tell a variety of different stories. Some stories are meant to be somewhat in continuity. Some stories are not in continuity at all. Some stories are just opportunities that DC have given creators to tell an interesting story that involves Superman and Batman. Um, There's... I don't really want to go into the details of the different story arcs because they change. They're anywhere from two issues up to five issues um, and anywhere in between. But for the most part, you know, if you want some Superman-Batman stories and not necessarily need to know what's going on again in the entire DC Universe or Batman Universe, Superman-Batman's an option for you as well. Superman-Batman is basically like this, this era's, this generation's version of the world's finest comic. You know, Batman and Superman are a classic comic book team, and the stories are always varied. It's always very different stories you won't see in either titles, or e- either typical titles like magic stories, time-traveling stories. And with with that kind of, like, inconsistent uh, premises for stories, I find the book is, is inconsistent, which, I, which by definition is typically a bad thing, but I, I like the series for what it is. It's, it's sort of like a fun, playful... Um, no no rules necessary kind of series. Um, it's not, I wouldn't say it's a series to really hang on to because it rarely has a solid writer ever since Loeb left several years ago. But it's one of those books that, you know, if you like Batman Superman, give it a shot. All right, next up we've got Batgirl, which is following the adventures of Stephanie Brown as she is Batgirl. Um, good story. She recently got an upgrade and a new hideout and a new vehicle that will be appearing this month in April. Um, again, this is another pretty decent series that's been telling some good stories. It's not as, you know, deathly serious or creepy as some of the other books, but it's, it's telling fun stories that involve a character who's not meant to be taken super seriously. Yeah, it's probably the most lighthearted book out there. Um, and it's interesting because Stephanie Brown, I think, is a character who's been with the modern Batman era a long time. But right now, she's definitely getting more attention as she is Batgirl. And I think the series has been very solid. Brian Q. Miller is a very good writer. And really, except for the odd issue here or there, I think that it's been um, a pretty pretty solid title to to read from month to month. Yeah, this has been a, a fun book, and like um, Dustin and Don both said, it's it's not as like dark and serious. It's it's more lighthearted, and it's just an enjoyable book. I it's it's like it's one of the books I look forward to reading every month. All right, next up we've got Batman Robin, which we've seen uh, Batman Robin go through his fair share of creators ever since Grant Morrison left the series with issue sixteen. Um, we've seen Paul Cornell and Scott McDaniel. We've seen Peter Tomasi and Patrick Gleason, and coming in the next few months, we'll be seeing Judd Winnick and Gillian March come onto the book. They're telling a number of different stories. The thing is, this series used to have a lot of lot to do with what was going on in the Batman universe. A lot to do. Um, now, it's, it's not really following nearly as much of what's going on in the Batman universe. It is telling stories. It does happen, I guess, within the time confines of the Batman universe as far as different things occurring outside of the book. But really what this is, is 
Dick Grayson, Batman teaming with Damian Wayne, Robin, um, and just showing their you know their unique relationship together. So it, it's it's interesting stories. It's you know it's wavered a little bit. We've gotten some good issues. We've gotten some bad issues. This is one of those series where it probably won't last now that Grant Morrison isn't on the book for a long period of time, especially with the number of creative teams that are going through. Oh, yeah. This was the book when Morrison was on it initially. And now that he's gone, it is definitely waffling back and forth. I think that if you had a solid writer on there that dealt with just Dick and Damien as characters and how they operate together, that would carry it for a long time and it would be good. But it seems that everyone just comes in here and just has a story to tell, which could really be told in any other Batman title. So, I mean, and I know that Joe Winning's going to come on there and talk about Jason Todd, which which I'm interested to read, but unless they get a, 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 a stringent writer on there and a stringent focus for the book, it won't last long. Yeah, this was a great book with Grant Morrison, and it kind of just dropped down a level when he got off it, and and yeah, basically what they're saying is that I I think that this book needs to focus more on the relationship between Damien and Dick because I really like Damien actually, but you need to keep a solid writer that will stick around so you can watch the the relationship progress rather than throwing a new writer in and then so like basically then they start their thing and they start another thing before like once the the previous writer just got started so. All right, and the next book we've got is Birds of Prey. This is following. Barbara Gordon leading her team of the birds, uh, which would be Huntress, Black Canary, and Lady Blackhawk, along with a number of other different characters here and there, including Hawk and Dove, um, which are fairly new to the Birds of Prey. But uh, what's interesting that's happened in this book lately is that Oracle has basically gotten rid of her her name, Oracle, and she's going to be looking for possibly a new alias as far as in the crime fighting world she won't be known as oracle so that is something interesting that's happening in the book the stories have a lot of in my opinion um unnecessary innuendos but uh you know that that's just depends on who you are and what you're reading and how you want to you know what you want to read about but uh some of the stuff is in my opinion a little unnecessary we will be seeing a steady artist on the book coming in the next couple months as well um, that they announced a couple months back so if you want to know what's going on with Barbara Gordon this is the book that you should be following Birds of Prey uh, this is the <laughs> in my personal opinion this is not one of the, the better bad books that you could be buying right now um, it should be because as you know a classic character Barbara Gordon and what she's been up to with a lot of other female heroes, but uh, ever since it rebooted with a new number one, in my opinion, it's just floundered and it's basically been awful. I wouldn't recommend this because the, Gail, Gail Simone is a good writer, but the stories she's giving these characters just don't lead for some very compelling storytelling. And all of it just makes you question what's going on through, through her head when writing these characters anyway. So personally, I would not recommend it, but uh, give, it, give it a try and see what you think. Yeah, I never got into Birds of Prey, so I don't really have anything. All right, and the next book we've got is Red Robin. Now, this is following the story of Tim Drake and his adventures as the character Red Robin. Um, good stories here and there. It's kind of 
there's been a storyline that's kind of been happening that is kind of, in some regards, lost a little bit of interest as, as far as Tim Drake goes, just because it was following a very comprehensive idea that someone came up with, and they did a great job explaining it, but there was almost too much explanation to really make it a decent story. There was uh, more explanation needed than you really need to have in a comic to really get. But there are promises of a number of different events happening. Um, most notably, um, he's going to be teaming up with some other characters inside the DC Universe. And he also is going to be going against a number of different assassination attempts on himself from a group that does a tournament basically to kill random people. Um, specifically, you know, to see who's better assassin. So that's coming up. Also, on a completely separate note, we've been hinted at for probably a good 10 months now that he will possibly be losing his V-card to somebody in the future. And if you read the issues, there are a number, number of different female characters that are all suddenly <laughs> starting to pop up around his same age, which, again, could has a very interesting twist on the future of this character. <laughs> Red Robin, right? No, no. I, I, this is my favorite series just because I love Tim Drake and I love the way that Fabian Nasiza is handling him. Marcus Toe's art—he's been on art for about a year now, I believe—and really, they're, they're some of the most consistent duo. I will admit there have been a, an issue or two where the plot is—it just loses people just because it is—it deals with a lot of stuff. I don't know. In one sense, I can see why he would be dealing with the internet, which was a. Uh, elite plot point from Final Crisis, but in another sense, I think that it's a very innocuous and it just distracts. But for the most part, I think Red Robin is a very solid title. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of girls, you know, trying to get some of that Tim stuff that, are, that have been popping up in the, in the titles, but uh, it's, it, it's, it's good. I mean, if, if you liked Robin when Fabian was writing it, then you'll like Red Robin. So, uh, please give this a shot because it's a, it's a very good book. Yeah, this is a book I've been going off and on, and it's 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 kind of had ups and downs, but I think it's pretty solid. Uh, his toes art's very good, and yeah, so I would say at least give this one a shot. All right, and then the last book that's really coming out right now is Batman Beyond. This is following the story of Terry McGinnis from the original Batman Beyond animated series, and. It's really just expanding the universe of Batman Beyond with a number of different villains. We're seeing what happened to specific villains um, after you know what we've seen in the animated series. It's really expanding the entire universe. There's a lot of different things that are happening. We saw the Justice League in the first couple issues of the series. Uh, we've been promised that there, we're going to be seeing a number of different uh, you know popular Batman villains redone or explanations of what has happened to them in the future during this Batman Beyond time frame. So that series is also coming out. It, it, it's, it's fairly new, so it's, there's not too much ground to review, though I, I, would like you to, I would like it to focus a little, a little bit more on Terry and not just goofy situations that Terry happens to fall into. Um, it's okay. Uh, Ryan Benjamin is a decent artist. Adam Beechin is... Um, he, he's, 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 he's decent on this title, I think. I think this title is okay, but I would like to see it get better. But then again, it's, it's still very new, so my opinion is only warded on the first two issues, really. I think this series is okay. Um, 
I never really got into Batman Beyond, the TV show, and so this one I wasn't really too excited for, but I picked it up out of curiosity, probably because I never got into it because I have like a chronic fear of robots, and I associate that with future. But yeah, I, I think I think this series is just okay, but it's probably just because I yeah I never really got into the character of Terry McGinnis or the TV series. So that is pretty much all of the normal books. Also, some other books that uh, feature some Batman universe characters. Secret Six features Bane, since Bane's going to be pulling a pretty big role in The Dark Knight Rises. You know, he may be pulling a bigger role in Secret Six as well in the future. Uh, we still have Justice League of America, as well as a number of other books. Um, as far as kids' books, you can be picking up a number of different books for your kids to get them interested in comics, including a book based off of the Batman Brave and the Bold TV show. Uh, there's a book based off of Young Justice. There's also a book called Tiny Titans, which is is an amazing book, even if you're an adult. It's meant for kids, but it's an amazing book for anyone who reads it. And it really gets whoever's reading it accustomed to everything that happens in the DC Universe as far as you know, the fact that there's so many different variations of one character. There's so many people with a certain trait. And it, like, really points at it, jokes around about it, and then explains why it's why it is the way it is. Great issue. There was an issue uh, a couple months back about it. It was called the All Robin issue, where we had all the different incarnations of Robin appear in the book. It was, it was very interesting. So you can check that out. Also, starting in May, there's going to be a comic series based off of Batman Arkham City. It's kind of like a prelude to the events that occur in the video game that comes out in October. That comes out. Um, there's also in May a series that's going to be starting. It's a mini-series, but I find it important to mention because it's probably going to outline some things in the future of the Batman universe. Um, it's called Batman Gates of Gotham, and it's going to explore the history of Gotham City and a lot of the founding families of Gotham City. I think that's going to play a big role as far as the, what we know is the history of Gotham City and how it's going to be expanded in the near future and be held to be true. Scott Snyder, who, as we said, was doing uh, Detective Comics, and a great job over there is co-writing this with Kyle Higgins, and uh, Trevor McCarthy is doing the art, which he is another amazing artist as well. So, lots of books to choose from. Not as many as we've ch we've covered in the past because they have canceled some series. Some series that have well been deserved to be canceled. But, with that being said, that's the end of this feature. And the end of the podcast. So, you can uh, log on to the website for all the daily news related to all these topics and the comics. You can head over to the forums and become a member. Uh, we've seen an, a sudden surge in people coming over to the website. If you are trying to get onto the forums and have not been approved, please email us and let us know, and we'll make sure to approve your account so you can chat with other bad fans. In addition to that, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos that we post on the website. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and of course, <clears throat> you can always email us at podcast at thebatmanuniverse.net with ideas, thoughts, comments, Anything at all that you want to know about, we'll make sure to reply back to you. So with that, that's the end of the episode. This is Dustin. This is Donovan. This is Josh. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Podcast. We'll see you guys next month. Adios, muchachos. Be excellent to each other.
know what that means. Oh, Beware of the future. <laughs> oh, yeah. You can always email us at the Batman. Or at... So I'm, I don't like what? future. <laughs> oh, I'm really scared of, 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 of robots taking over. Like, iRobot, Terminator, scary. I don't like technology. It's okay. <laughs> okay. That's, good. That's interesting. Yeah, like I freaked out when we got a new security system in my house. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I might have to send you like a, a robot for Christmas or something. <laughs> don't do that. Come to come to Comic Con. Cosplay as a robot. I'm afraid. I'm, I'm afraid of a lot of things. Like I don't open my mail. I'm. I'm afraid there's a bomb or something in there. So I have my sister open it for me. They haven't had letter bombs forever. I know, but I'm still scared of them. So. Yeah, it's just a fun book to read. Um. It's, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got. I, 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 I don't know where to go from that. I just basically. Yeah. It, I don't like Batman fighting giant octopuses. Or is it? Is that the is that the plural for it? Octopi. 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 Yeah. Well, the the old one got blown up. I think I think that would make a lot of sense. Sarcastic. Okay. Okay. Sarcastic. Cut out my cut out my idiocy.